Well, hello everyone and good morning to another edition of Live Stream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to go ahead and get started with a very brief musical interlude to allow people to jump on with us. It is the Incarnation Singers with a brief rendition of He Lives. Uh, Christ Jesus Lives Today. Here it comes. Thanks for joining us this morning on this wonderful, wonderful Resurrection Day. Good morning, Bev. Thanks for being here. Happy Resurrection Day. Ronnie, good morning. Good morning. Extend that a little bit just to keep allow people to jump on. Amen. Happy Resurrection Day. Amen. Acapella, so there's not a whole lot of instruments here. There's no instruments. It's very quiet. Amen. Jesus lives today. With me and talks with me. Greg Neal, good morning. I was trying to imitate you there for a second. Joanna and Charles, good morning. Amen. 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 All right. That was the Incarnation Singers 
uh, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Amen. And today is a glorious day. Today is a day, it literally is the most important, one of the most important days in the history of uh, all mankind. And it is really to be regarded as such. That's the way we need to treat it. You really don't appreciate what Jesus did until you really recognize how important that event was in history. If Jesus did not come out of that tomb, we would be worshiping, uh, we wouldn't have anything to look forward to. We really wouldn't. But the fact that he overcame death by this act, uh, that indeed is worth celebrating. It is worth celebrating indeed. Larry, Larry Johnson, good morning. Clorinda Tucker, good morning. Uh, how are you? Uh, happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. We are going to get further into the uh, subject matter today on biblical inerrancy. Well, before we do that, we'll do a little bit of something for the resurrection. But I want to make a couple of announcements. First of all, Pastor Gus's message, the resurrection and the rapture will be available here online uh, immediately after Sunday school uh, on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. That message will also be presented live at church today at, at Akron, Ohio at 11 o'clock. We look forward to seeing you there. Um, and it's a great message, by the way. Um, please remember your tithes and offerings. <clears throat> Pardon me. We uh, still want to make sure that we are taking care of business when it comes to the affairs of the church. For those of you who are not going to church and not able to drop off your tithes or offerings, we welcome you mailing them to the church. Uh, Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. And so we appreciate you doing that as well, too, just to make sure that we're taking care of the business affairs of the church and including any benevolent opportunities that may come about where people uh, uh, just are in need and we want to be able to help them as much as we can. A um, couple of items of prayer. One of these things were, was mentioned during the uh, Good Friday service uh, this past Friday uh, in, at Riverside Alliance. Uh, we want to uh, continue to lift up the Harper family. This is something that I had known about and I had forgotten about it, unfortunately, uh, but it was called to attention again to, uh, uh, to all of us again on Friday. Adam Harper is the pastor over at Chapel Hill uh, Alliance Church, and his wife, and his na her name escapes me right now. I don't think it's Amy. Um, but if you just just pray for the Harper family, because Adam had to take a leave of absence from pastoring because um, his wife contracted COVID. They both contracted COVID, but she came out of she has a debilitating uh, illness that resulted through that where she is a quadriplegic. She cannot do anything um, right now. They, and she has to have assistance with a ventilator just to breathe. So right now they're at the point where the insurance, the medical insurance has run out. And so any contribution that you can come up with to contribute to the Harper family, Adam Harper family, I would just list it that way if you want to do so, if you want to send a check you can send the payment, uh, send the check. I shouldn't say payment. It's a, it's, a, it's a gift. Now, you won't be able to take that gift off for your taxes because that's going directly to the Harper family. But if you're, in, if you're compelled to give, please send uh, the check to Akron Alliance Fellowship and just mark in the memo portion, Adam Harper family. That will be going directly to um, the Harper family, and it will be going towards them to be able to take care of expenses or whatever needs the family has. Adam Harper is at home taking care of the three children, um, essentially, uh, because uh, his wife is not able to do anything like that. 
So we ask for your prayers for that family, and we ask that you just continue to uh, lift them up to the Lord and pray for a miraculous healing for his wife, because that's essentially what it's going to take. As things stand right now, it's not reversible unless the Lord deems it to be reversible. The so that's a matter of prayer and your consideration for gifts. Oh, and by the way, uh, the, the amount of time that you have, you have this Sunday and next Sunday to make a contribution before they uh, shut off the actual uh, giving. But I'm just giving that information to you because the churches are, are trying to li- uh, get everybody involved in that process. So please keep that in mind. And for those of you who just jumped on, good morning. I, we appreciate you being here. Walter and Pearl, good morning. Thanks for being here. Um, also want to pr- pray for Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie is with us online today, and thank you, uh, Ronnie, for being here. God bless you. I want to pray for Ronnie for just for some uh, healing for some specific issues that she's got to go and have checked out to make sure uh, it's not anything more serious. Uh, we just want to make sure that you're lifting up Ronnie in prayer for healing and just keep her in your thoughts all the day long. Amen. Just uh, look after her. She won't be at church today, but uh, she is... Uh, asking for prayers and we, and we appreciate you remembering Ronnie. We're going to pray a little bit right now uh, for her. This is the first prayer. We'll be doing another prayer for Sunday school as well too. So those are the announcements. Just want to make sure we're covering these things uh, and not forgetting uh, today is Easter Sunday. Amen. Resurrection Day. Uh, good morning, Lisa, uh, and uh, thanks for being here. So let's pray for the Harper family and let's pray for Ronnie right now and we'll get into Sunday school after that. Uh, Let's look to the Lord right now. Father, thank you for your majesty. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for um, just the truth that you are indeed a living, present, ever-present God that cares about us, loves us more than we can even imagine. And we thank you for that, too. We do lift up to you the Harper family right now uh, at Chapel Hill. We pray, Lord, that you will just overshadow that family with your presence Pray that you will help the kids to be able to manage day after day along with her, uh, with Adam, uh, such a dramatic change in the path of life has taken place. And, but, Lord, you are the one who is ever-present. We pray that you'll extend grace upon the family, and we pray that you'll provide healing and just comfort right now for his wife and the rest of the family as well, too. We also lift up to you, Ronnie, right now, Lord, that you would just be with her as she goes through her uh, review of what's happening to the doctors, just uh, that making sure that everything is in order. We pray for healing for Ronnie as well, too, and that you will bless her and keep her, and we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, that's the first prayer. I want to go ahead and do something here to get ready for Sunday school. We're going to have a brief interlude, by the way, um, about the resurrection. So uh, let's go ahead and pray for Sunday school right now. It'll be very brief. Lord, bless us right now as we go through um, the words spoken today, that they are indeed the words of the Holy Spirit, not my words, but that they are spirit-infused. We praise you, Lord, and thank you, and we give you all the good, all of the glad tidings that you extend to us. We just want to extend those things to you as well, too, and recognize who you are. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9. I I think it's worth uh, looking uh, at the passage about the resurrection because, honestly, I've seen it a couple of times myself this morning already, uh, just getting started. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through, let's cover 9. uh, 1 through 9. 
course, it goes on after that, but I wanted to use just those nine verses just to talk about the resurrection. And look at uh, Matthew's account of it, because we need to see that this was a miraculous event. This was indeed an event that uh, only Jesus is the one who can orchestrate uh, what happens here and the miracle that took place, because it it exactly is a miracle uh, that he rose from the dead. Um, It says in verse 1, Matthew 28, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. That's the other Mary, probably Mary of Clopas, if I remember correctly. Verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Now, this is early, early in the day, by the way. It says toward the dawn of the first day. So we're talking about it's still dark, okay? Um, Verse 3, his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. That's where we get the he has risen, he is risen comes from as he said he has risen as he said come see the place where he lay then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold he is going before you to galilee there you will see him see i have told you verse 8 so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples and behold jesus met them and said greetings and they came up took hold of his feet and worshiped him Amen. Amen. Uh, What a wonderful, wonderful occasion. The most important event in the history of our universe. Uh, Let's just look at it for what it really is. For what we recognize, what we see and understand, the greatest event that ever took place. He is risen, and for that reason, we can celebrate Jesus being the one who overcomes death for all of us. We do have an afterlife. The afterlife is an afterlife uh, of our fellowship with him because he promised that place for us indeed amen and so that's worth worthy of consideration this morning as we get ready to get into sunday school we are back in sunday school and i was a little bit remiss uh in not uh acknowledging that the material that is uh, we're going to be sharing is adapted from uh the text big biblical inerrancy the historical evidence by norman geisler we've been covering that for the past two or three weeks or so and we want to make sure we acknowledge that Um, But we're going to talk about the extent of biblical authority, which is something that uh, will involve some passages that he shares, but I also added some as well, too, that we'll go over just for the sake of making sure that we're spending good time in this. Lord, I ask that you just bless this time right now that we go over your word and give recognition to how your word is true. Indeed, as we believe in Jesus Christ who rose from the dead, we do indeed believe that your word is true because he has fulfilled all the promises that he said he would fulfill and again there will be more to come in the future that are mentioned in the bible as well too but we thank you lord for that promise we thank you for those truths that you've shared with us in Jesus' name amen okay let's take a look at what it says here about the extent of biblical authority and look at why we have this study about biblical inerrancy there are so many passages to look at of course we have mentioned if you turn your Bibles and electronic devices to 2 Timothy 3.16, we, we've covered this before, but it's really good to reemphasize these things because we need to see, indeed, how Scripture is indeed comes directly from God. It comes from him. 
the writers of the Bible were inspired to read or to write what God gave them through the power of the Spirit or whatever the method is, was of communication. Uh, essentially, they are recording what God had given them to record. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. We recognize that. To all that is written, that is what we are paying attention to here right now. Well, let's look at some other passages, too, to emphasize that. Please go to 2 Samuel uh, chapter 23. 2 Samuel 23. As I take a deep breath and make sure that I don't go too fast for myself. Now, 2 Samuel 23, verses 1 and 2, we'll, we'll cover those. Um, and we need to see that this section here is showing you another area where what is written is inspired by God. Indeed, uh, we want to see that. This is David. It says, now these are the last words of David. The oracle of David, the son of Jesse, the oracle of, man, of the man who was raised on high. Uh, good morning, Jackie. Raised on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. And then verse 2 says, and this is a quote, the spirit of the Lord speaks by me, his word is on my tongue. And then it continues from there. But we want to understand that we believe what we're reading because it is all inspired by God. No matter who the person is who's presenting the information in Scripture, it's inspired by God. Another passage to look at, very quickly, Hebrews 3, verses 7 and 7 through 9. Hebrews 3, verses 7 through 9. And good morning. Coffee is always in order. Amen. Amen. Tasty. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3, uh, verses 7 through 9. It says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion or on the, on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. If you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Amen? I, I can't imagine anybody who's a believer, if they hear the words of God, that they harden their hearts. Now, uh, ultimately, we have to understand that the hardening of the heart has to do with more of your own personal will and more of Satan being more involved in your fellowship than your being in fellowship with the Lord. So, if you hear his voice, you should res be responding in such a manner where this is your creator who's speaking to you. One more passage here in this particular section, Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20, verse, verses 1 and 2. Exodus 20, verses 1 and 2. And we have to understand that this is, of course, Moses was recording the Ten Commandments, and here is... One of them, we won't cover them all here, but we want to see the emphasis is on verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God spoke all these words. And of course, the words that follow in Exodus chapter 20 as well, too. To all that is written, we have 
a recognition of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. The words are spoken. Now let's flip over to the very words themselves. Go to Matthew 4.4. 4. We've covered this passage before as well, too. Don't mean to be redundant. We just want to go back over these as a review because I can't assume that everybody has heard the, these same words the first time around. But indeed, we want to make sure that we're coming back to what the words of Jesus were that were spoken. It says here, In Matthew 4, 4, but he answered, this is, he answered Satan, actually, uh, the devil who was speaking to him. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Amen and amen. That is how we are to live. We are to live based upon God's word. Um, this was spoken at the time where Jesus was hungry. He was in the wilderness, <clears throat> pardon me, for uh, 30 days, and he had not eaten. And Satan tried to tempt him by saying, please turn these stones into loaves of bread and you can eat. Uh, but uh, Jesus did not succumb to that. He did not listen to what the devil had to say because that's what the devil does to us. He tries to get us to do something that is contrary to what God's word says. And that's what we have to recognize here. The very temptation that uh, Jesus dealt with is the very same temptation that we deal with too. But he's showing us that we have a way to overcome this temptation. Amen and amen. The very words of God indeed matter. And another passage, 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's start with verses, let's do verses 12 through 14. 1 Corinthians 2 verses 12 through 14. Now forgive me for the pauses there too because I'm giving a script. I'm giving a scripture that will give us what we need to understand, I suppose. But I love having it done in context. I, I have to do that for the sake of making sure that there is some completion in what's being taught here. First Corinthians two verses twelve through fourteen. It says in First Corinthians two verses twelve through fourteen. Uh, I'm also reading from the ESV version too, which is uh, what uh, my lovely bride is posting as well too. Uh, starting at verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit. That's what we need to see here. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Do you see what's what's being said here? Because of our, the, well, because of the presence of our of the Holy Spirit, we can discern spiritual truth. God enables us to discern these things because we rely upon the Spirit for wisdom and understanding. That's why many people who don't know the Lord consider the God's word foolishness. They consider it to be folly. That's what it says here in Scripture. They are folly to him because they're not really relying upon the spirit of truth. They're relying more on their own wisdom, their own knowledge, their own understanding, which is all lacking, frankly, because they're not using the discernment of God. So we need to understand that as well, too. A couple more passages here. Go to John chapter 17. This has been covered in the past, but we need to understand that Jesus is telling us, he's telling us in Scripture 
how important the Bible truly is. He's telling us this, the word of God is truth. And he's giving us this information. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. God's word is truth. In order for us to believe in the Resurrection Sunday, guess what? We have to also believe that his word is truth. Because we weren't there as witnesses to experience when Jesus came out of that tomb. We weren't there. We have to believe what is written in Scripture that these things indeed did happen. Don't we have to believe that? We, in order for us to celebrate and have a reason to celebrate, we have to believe that this indeed happened. I, I shudder to think of the world that does not recognize the people who don't recognize Jesus and what he did for all of us. Uh, because they are truly lost. They have no idea. And only the Holy Spirit can give them reckoning and reasoning to help them understand uh, what indeed happened um, at that wonderful, wonderful dawn when he came out of that tomb after being crucified. Another passage. Prop, pardon me? John seventeen seventeen. I'm sorry. John seventeen seventeen. That's what I was reading. I apologize. I, didn't, I did not complete that. John seventeen seventeen, And so now we have Proverbs 30. And that's why I have to have an, uh, my bride with me sometimes when I'm going through things because my mind is moving ahead of my uh, way of thinking, just thinking ahead. Proverbs 30, <laughs> verse 5. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Amen. Now look at what it says here. I'm going back into Proverbs because we were covering in the New Testament pretty much in this study uh, by Dr. Uh, by Dr. Geisler, but we're just kind of going back through the Old Testament too because there are some words here that are very relevant to this particular subject that I, I think we should make sure we're including. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. What does it say? Every word of God proves true. If his word is truth, all the things that are mentioned in Scripture are going to be our truth indeed have come true, and those things that have not happened yet will come true. Amen and amen. Very important for us to see that. Um, I'm not going to, you don't have to put this down if you don't want to. John chapter 1, verse 1, you can if you want. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. Jesus is being referred to here in this passage. Jesus was there in the very beginning, and, the, and he is the living word of God. He is the epitome of the living word. He is the one who is indeed being represented here. Everything we read about, I've said this many times before, all 66 Bibles, 66 books in the Bible. That's why I have to thank you. All 66 books... <laughs> <laughs> in the Bible, point to Jesus Christ. Thank you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> there's not 66 Bibles unless you have 66 Bibles stacked in your uh, in your room somewhere. There's 66 books. They're all the same thing. Psalm 12. Psalm 12. One more passage. Verse 6. Psalm 12, verse 6. I love this verse. This is a great, great verse. We, we put a lot of value in metals here on, in the world, and, and there is a, a value in metals because you can trade those metals too, gold, silver, um, 
gold and silver especially, uh, there's prices uh, that go up and down on gold and silver every day. And um, so they have a value. They have an intrinsic value as well as a monetary value. But Psalm chapter 12, Psalm 12, not Psalm chapter 12, Psalm 12, verse 6, the words of the Lord are pure words like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. Wow, I did not, I missed that passage before. The words of the Lord are pure words like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. That is just an astounding passage. We need to understand that they are indeed pure because they're truth. They are the ultimate truth. And it's refined. It's giving a description telling you how true and how pure this word is that we have. Amen? That's what we need to see here. That is a really, really important part of what we're looking at here. Okay. <clears throat> to the smallest parts of the words. We have looked at this passage before. Um, but we're going to do it one more time, just for emphasis. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. We have looked at this passage before, I believe, in the New Living Translation, but uh, we're going to look at it in the English Standard Version today. Matthew 5, verses 17 and 18. It is, it is um, really, really important for us to see the importance of this when it comes to we, we, we talk about textual issues at times when it comes to scripture where um, we've had to we've had we've seen some translations go back and make fixes and corrections and these fixes and corrections are nothing that should take away in any way shape or form from what God's word says because the essence of God's word is truth uh, he is 100 percent true we in our interpretation of what scripture has said over the years is about at 99 percent which is pretty good, and that's only because we have had so many different uh, translations and ways of looking at what the Greek and Hebrew were saying and what the representation was. But let's go back and look at Matthew five seventeen and 18. And this is the essence of the entire word of God. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. That's Jesus speaking. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. We have covered this verse before because we want to make, make sure that it's well understood. Even though we have issues about certain ways of interpreting little passages here and there, the essence of God's word, not one word is going to be left out. Not one letter is going to be changed in the, in the essence of what God is trying to accomplish. It's going to all be accomplished at the end of the day. God's word will be fully accomplished according to his timing, according to how he has designated it. That's this, where we get the phrase today about crossing every T, dotting every I, crossing That every is, I did not, you know, I didn't know that. I didn't think about that. That's where we get the phrase of dotting every I and crossing every T. That's a, that's a great, that's a great way of referencing that. I, it, that's something, if you're doing a paper, for example, if you're, if you're getting ready to write something to be published or something, guess what you have to do? You have to go back over that manuscript and go ma and make sure that it's correct something that I try to do in my sermon writing. Uh, go back over it, make sure it's correct. Um, is it perfect? No, because nothing we do is perfect, but we want to make sure that those I's are dotted and T's are crossed. If you're writing things down, that's what you do. If you're typing it, it's pretty simple, right? But we want to make sure it's correct. So that's what, we, that's what the scripture here is saying, that God's going to accomplish his word. He is going to accomplish it, and he's going to accomplish it in such a manner where 
Anybody who looks at it will say, yep, that is God doing exactly what he said he was going to do. I'm going to look at a longer passage now just to um, uh, also give emphasis to this as well, too. Acts chapter 1, verses 16 through 25. Now, this is something that refers to when Judas um, basically committed suicide after Jesus was crucified. And he was one of the original 12, and so there was this discussion about replacing Judas. And understand that this was a scriptural, uh, it was something that was being fulfilled in scripture. That's exactly what is being said here. Um, Peter is the one who is right is, is mentioning this here in the passage. Acts 1, verses 16 through 25. I want you to see this and think about this for a moment. These things that we read about in scripture were foretold. And we, we reference that as well, too, because, of course, Judas had a very infamous role uh, as far as being the one who betrayed Jesus. And we it was something that was uh, foretold. Acts 1, verse 16. Let's go together and read that. English Standard Version. Follow along in your own version, please. Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Verse 17, For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the, record, with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, this is in verse 20, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all this time, all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become a witness with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Lord, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these you have, two you have chosen, to take place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And ultimately, they cast the lots, and Matthias was the one who was chosen. But we need to see that all of these events that took place were prophesied earlier. Notice how it mentions from the book of Psalms and also David making those declarations as well, too, about what would happen with Judas. And, you know, this is the only account where we read about where Judas, um, after he had hung himself, he had fallen. Uh, I guess the rope had broken or the branch had broken or whatever it was that was holding him up from that tree that he had hung himself from. And he had fallen and burst open. Uh, and that's where all that comes uh, into play about the field of blood. That's It's just a, a fascinating thing to read and understand. God's word is truth. It, full, it is fulfilled. And we need to make sure we understand that. Okay, real quick, let's get into the verb tenses. Verb tenses that are also, again, going back to the extent of biblical authority. Um, 
Matthew chapter 22. There's a couple of passages here. Um, starting with verse 29. Well, let's go back further than that. Sorry about that. Start with verse 23, um, because I want to get the context of this as well, too. And this has been covered before as well, too. One of the most important things for us to do as believers is to seek these scriptures out and pray for wisdom as we read them. Because there are a lot of people who take scripture and use it out of context, like like Satan did, frankly, when he was tempting Jesus. He was taking scripture out of context, and he was not using it in the proper way and proper methodology. That's an issue for uh, those of us who are in the church. We've got to make sure that what we're being taught is correct and accurate. And you've got to be the Berean. You've got to be the one who goes and checks these things out. Don't just take anybody's word for it. Don't take my word for it. Um, make sure that you're going back and, and checking these things out to see that they're indeed true. Because context is context, context, context. I've been talking about that for many, many years, how important it is for us to use context as we look at these passages. And Sunday school, that's the opportunity where we really try to emphasize that. Um, I won't get any further into it. I think it's, it's, it speaks for itself. Matthew chapter 22, verse 23. Um, this is the Sadducees asking about the resurrection of all things. Amen. Same day the Sadducees came to him who say there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question. This is, of course, before Jesus died and was resurrected. But it says, uh, saying, Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. So to the second and third, down to the seventh, after them all, the woman died. And the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. Now here is where it picks up. Verse 29, Jesus is answering. But Jesus answered them, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Ooh. Let's go further. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. A quick point here, too. My lovely bride and I, that we, even though we are married, we're not going to be married in heaven. Uh, that, that's something that we have to recognize and understand. You know, we, we are going to be, uh, we're going to be friends. We're going to be comrades. I don't know any other way to put it. We're going to be, we just... We fellowship together, but it won't be as a husband and wife. We'll be friends, and that's what it comes down to. Um, let's pick up verse 31. And as for the resurrection of the dead, you have not read what was said to you by God. I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And I'll just throw in verse 33. You don't need to record it. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. Why? Because it's good teaching. It's excellent teaching. You need to understand that there are things that we need to see in Scripture where, you know, the Sadducees asked a question. I don't, I'm not sure they were trying to trick them or anything or just trying to, maybe they genuinely did want to know, but they didn't have any idea or any concept of resurrection as we understand resurrection to be. But it's saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And have you not read what was said to you by God? God said this to all of us uh, through the communication that uh, uh, Moses had given as well. And it just keeps going on throughout Scripture. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of, of living, the living. Why? He is a living God. He presides over his kingdom right now. 
he presides over all of us, all of us who have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, which is really important for us to see. Okay. Um, the number, the extent of biblical authority. Go to Galatians 3, 16. Galatians 3, 16. Uh, let's see here. Yes. Galatians 3.16. Now, Abraham is a wonderful subject to go over and study. Uh, remember, he was grafted in um, by God because of his belief in the Lord. He was selected by God to come out of a land and become the father of many nations. And we need to understand that he was chosen and Look what it says here in Galatians 3.16. God had made many promises to Abraham, and the promises are being fulfilled, of course. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. It's in the lineage. It's referring to how Abraham would be the father indeed, of many. Another passage says um, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture doesn't say and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ, Jesus Christ. He is indeed the one that we recognize and see as our personal Lord and Savior. He is the one responsible for our ability to have eternal life with him. He is the one that we go to and look to as Lord and Savior. Understand something, too, that's really important. While we're going over these passages and looking at the different areas of where the Bible is inerrant, there is, it's without error is what we're referring to, you have to understand something. When we hear the truth of Jesus Christ, there were many, many people before us that came before us, especially those who were illiterate, they were still given the ability to recognize who Jesus Christ was. Um, I, I think of those people who were in captivity uh, in this country who were illiterate. They couldn't read or write, but they understood and knew that Jesus was indeed their salvation, and they believed. And it takes the mind, it takes the heart to be able to recognize and interpret that. For the intellectuals like us, amen, uh, who have to have support sometimes, we need to see uh, God's word in writing and see it come to fruition when we pray and we look to look to him for guidance and wisdom as we do things. But we don't need the Bible to do that. We just need to believe and just trust in him. And if we do believe, amen, it's wonderful. And we can read the Bible and we understand what it says. That's great, too. But we have to understand something. Um, one of the responsibilities we have as a people for those who are, are have any question about this Making sure that people can read, uh, overcoming illiteracy, uh, helping them to be able to see and understand God's truth. That's very important as well, too. Um, I think of the Gullah Bible that we I have a copy of it. Uh, uh, it's the New Testament, uh, but it was all interpreted, and it was speaking the language of Gullah, the Creole languages, uh, written for those people who could understand that language and understand it and read it and know that Jesus is Lord. And, and that's what we have to see here, too. And 
there's there's a lot of work to be done still to make sure that we are communicating God's word to all people, not just people who are intellectuals who already have this information, but for people who are still learning about Jesus Christ, maybe they uh, have had difficulty over the years in being able to read and interpret things. Uh, but that's where we come in. We're here to help and provide understanding and wisdom. That is a, a calling that all of us really should have when it comes to making sure that when we're communicating to people, we're communicating to people not always of the same like-mindedness, but people who are still learning about Jesus, still wanted to go through more. Those people who came through tough times. I mentioned I'm talking, I talked to a gentleman on Friday who truly was indeed uh, going through tough times, through PTSD, all kinds of things. And, and he's like a flame of fire because he knows and loves the Lord Jesus Christ, but he still needs counsel. He still needs help to be able to process information as he receives it. There are, there are dozens and dozens of people out there that we should be communicating the same truths to. Amen. One more passage to look at. Genesis 22. And let's look at verse 15 through 18. Genesis 22, verses 15 through 18. We're going to close out with this because um, we want to get to church. Amen? <laughs> Resurrection Sunday. And it gives everybody else a chance online to do the same thing. Um, Genesis 22, 15 through 18. And it says in verse 15, and the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. This is when Isaac uh, was being taken up as a sacrifice. Uh, Abraham took him up on the mountain to sacrifice him because that's what uh, he was commanded to do. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. Amen. Notice the symbolism here. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Why? Because obedience always is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And that's something that's also emphasized here. And who is he referring to about how the offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies? Who is the offspring that's being referred to here? The one, the most important offspring that we're referring to in the lineage of Abraham is Jesus Christ. We need to recognize that as well, too. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. You see how important it is to be obedient? to be obedient to the Lord's calling, to be obedient to the words in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, to make sure that we are indeed uh, going through, throughout the world, and the world is wherever we are, wherever we wind up, preaching the gospel, reflecting the gospel, living the gospel, showing the gospel, sharing the gospel with other people. That is how we are to live. That is how we are to live this day forward. We have reason to celebrate. We have something to look forward to. The Thessalonians, they, they indeed had something to look forward to. They understood the importance of the return of Jesus Christ. They understood what was going on 
they were going through a great deal of suffering and turmoil in certain areas where they tried to settle and preach the gospel. Of course, they were in a, in a land that was foreign to them. They they recognized that, but they recognized that Jesus was indeed their salvation. Jesus is. They were looking forward to Jesus coming back. Now that we've had a resurrection of Jesus, he is coming back. We That's something that Pastor Gus's message is going to be revealing and talking about later today. It all ties together, everybody. We need to recognize that. We, it all comes together if we look at Scripture. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when he came from that tomb, we would not have the opportunity for a second coming of Jesus. That's something that has to happen. And uh, we, we appreciate that because it's mentioned it's going to happen again. It's going to happen for all of us. There will be a place where we will all come together. We'll be all fellowshipping in heaven together. We won't be married to each other or anything like that. So um, it's going to be a totally different thing. But you know what? You won't have time to even think about that. You'll just be saying, praise the Lord. I'm in his presence. Amen? That's going to be the most important thing uh, about all of us being uh, with our Lord. So pray for those individuals who don't have the understanding. And let's consider how the Holy Spirit speaks to us, speaks to us individually about our role in the kingdom and what we're doing right now to help people along who have a lack of knowledge. Amen? Let's pray. Father, the Lord, we just thank you for how you indeed are teaching us day after day. And we thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for your resurrection. We thank you that you came from that tomb. We thank you that you showed yourself to Mary and the other Mary. Uh, right away because lord their hearts were full in looking for you and looking to you they understood right away what it meant and what your word had said of that you would indeed rise the third day we thank you for that teaching and we thank you for that truth lord as we move forward today and even every day forward let us live in fullness and in recognition of your goodness let us live in such a manner where we indeed glorify you in all things that we do and we give you thanks and praise we ask these things in Jesus' name amen. amen thank you so much for joining us today for another edition of live stream sunday school for akron alliance fellowship church in akron ohio and for anyone else who wants to join us i pray that you have a wonderful resurrection day i pray that you spend that time with your family and just rejoice rejoice because he is risen amen thank you so much for being here today and we will see you next time